Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of Cryptococcus neoformans found under the Infectious Disease section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 62-year-old man presents to the emergency room with headaches, fevers, and generalized malaise for the past week. His latest visit to the HIV clinic reveals a CD4-positive cell count of 50. He has had issues with insurance and has not been on his HIV medications. A lumbar puncture is performed, and yeast with clear halos is seen with India ink stain. He has started immediately on the appropriate medications. Let's continue with an introduction to Cryptococcus neoformans. Cryptococcus is classified as a urease-positive, monomorphic encapsulated yeast with 5 to 10 micrometer narrow budding. It is transmitted via inhalation, and it is found in the soil and in pigeon droppings, and the clinical syndromes that it causes are referred to as cryptococcosis, cryptococcal meningitis, and cryptococcal encephalitis. With regards to epidemiology, risk factors for cryptococcus include a hematologic malignancy, immunocompromised state, HIV and AIDS patients, transplant recipients, CD4-positive cell count less than 100, and occupational exposure to pigeons. And in terms of the pathogenesis, remember that the yeast is inhaled and subsequently disseminated hematogenously to the brain. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms may include fever, headache, generalized malaise, and patients may have memory loss or confusion. And on exam, you may note altered mental status, the patient may not have any neck stiffness, and papilledema in patients with elevated intracranial pressure may be present. With regards to imaging, Brain CT or MRI is indicated in all patients, and specific findings may include soap bubble lesions, variably enhancing lesions, and hydrocephalus. And in terms of other studies, labs may help with detecting the capsular antigen in the serum of cerebral spinal fluid. This is referred to as the latex agglutination test. And one can also perform a lumbar puncture and should check the cell count, which may demonstrate lymphocytic pleocytosis, low glucose, and elevated total protein. One can also culture on Sabarad agar, and one can perform an India ink stain, which will demonstrate yeast with clear halos, or on Musi Carmen stain, which will demonstrate yeast with red inner capsules. And when making the diagnosis, remember that it is based on clinical presentation and laboratory studies. And with regards to the differential, make sure to think about bacterial meningitis, with distinguishing factors being that it will typically present more acutely with an acute headache and neck stiffness, and on lumbar puncture, they will reveal bacterial infection rather than fungal infection. And in terms of treatment, the management approach involves patients with cryptococcal meningitis being treated with amphotericin B and flucytosine, followed by fluconazole. And remember that if patients on therapy experience headaches due to increased intracranial pressure, then they may receive serial lumbar punctures. Specific medical treatment options include amphotericin B, which is indicated in all patients and is used along with flucytosine for 10 to 14 days. The other options include flucytosine, which is indicated in all patients and is used along with amphotericin B for 10 to 14 days. And lastly, fluconazole is indicated after the treatment with amphotericin B and flucytosine, and it is used for maintenance and suppressive therapy. Complications related to cryptococcus include disseminated disease affecting the skin, bones, joints, and lungs. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, remember that without treatment, the infection leads to death. However, with treatment, mortality rate is about 20%.
Now that we've discussed the major points relating to Cryptococcus neoformans, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 50-year-old man presents to the emergency department because of worsening fatigue, malaise, and headache for the past three weeks. He was not concerned about it until he developed blurry vision one week ago. He has also had fevers and night sweats throughout this time, but no cough or hemoptysis. He was diagnosed with HIV three years ago and is non-compliant as he cannot afford his medications. He denies any recent travel or sick contacts. His temperature is 101.3 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.5 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 125 over 85. Pulse is 92 beats per minute and respirations are 16 breaths per minute. On physical exam, he endorses pain on passive neck flexion and decreased range of motion of the cervical spine. Fundoscopic exam reveals bilateral papilledema. Cardiopulmonary and neurologic exams reveal no further abnormalities. A lumbar puncture with CSF analysis and blood tests are obtained, which demonstrate a hemoglobin of 13, leukocyte count of 4,000, CD4 positive T cells of 70. On lumbar puncture, his opening pressure is 320 millimeters of water, leukocyte count of 25 with 64% lymphocytes, protein concentration of 160, and glucose concentration of 30. A CT scan of the head is unremarkable. Which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management and testing of the cerebral spinal fluid? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Acid fast stain. Choice 2. Gram stain. Choice 3. India ink stain. Choice 4. PCR testing for Toxoplasma gondii. Or choice 5. VDRL testing. The best answer to this question is Choice 3. India ink stain. This patient with poorly controlled HIV, as evidenced by a low CD4 positive T cell count and lack of medications, presents with subacute fevers, night sweats, headaches, signs of elevated intracranial pressure, and a CSF analysis that shows elevated opening pressure, lymphocytic predominance, increased protein, and low glucose. This presentation is suggestive of cryptococcal meningitis and can be diagnosed with a CSF India ink stain. Cryptococcal meningitis is caused by Cryptococcus neoformans, which is an opportunistic yeast that causes infections in immunocompromised patients, such as those with HIV, such as in those with CD4 T-cell counts less than 100. It is an indolent infection with symptoms developing over the course of one to three weeks, which can include fever, headache, malaise, and lethargy. CSF analysis commonly demonstrates a markedly elevated opening pressure greater than 250 to 300 millimeters of water, low leukocyte count, usually less than 50, and a lymphocytic predominance, elevated protein, and low glucose. Diagnosis can be confirmed with an India ink stain or CSF cryptococcal antigen test by latex agglutination, which are both highly sensitive and specific. Treatment involves fungicidal induction with amphotericin B and flucytosine for at least two weeks, followed by maintenance therapy with fluconazole for several weeks to months until the CD4-positive T-cell count rises, or in some cases, lifelong. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. CSF acid fasting can be used to diagnose tuberculosis meningitis, which can also present with fevers, headaches, night sweats, 
high opening pressure on lumbar punctures, and a lymphocytic-predominant cell count on CSF analysis. However, tuberculosis meningitis typically causes focal neurologic deficits. Patients also often have pulmonary manifestations such as cough, hemoptysis, and lung cavitation on radiography. Choice 2. CSF gram stain can be used to diagnose bacterial meningitis, which would present with fevers, headaches, and a CSF analysis demonstrating an elevated opening pressure, increased protein concentration, and decreased glucose concentration. However, bacterial meningitis typically has a more acute, such as days rather than weeks, and severe presentation. CSF analysis would also show an increased leukocyte count greater than 1,000 with neutrophilic predominance. Choice 4. CSF PCR testing for toxoplasma gondii can diagnose neurotoxoplasmosis, which is an opportunistic infection caused by toxoplasma gondii. Patients present with fevers, headaches, and an increased protein concentration on CSF analysis. However, patients also commonly present with seizures, focal neurologic deficits, and ring-enhancing lesions on neuroimaging. Choice 5. CSF VDRL testing can diagnose neurosyphilis, which is a late presentation of treponema pallidum infection. Patients present with fevers, headaches, and a CSF analysis that demonstrates a lymphocytic predominant cell count and increased protein. However, neuroimaging often shows enhancement of brain parenchyma in various areas or hypodensities due to chronic infarction. Patients have focal neurologic deficits leading to tapes dorsalis, dysesthesia, ataxia, or argyle Robertson pupils. Finally, a bullet summary. Cryptococcal meningitis presents in immunocompromised patients over the course of one to three weeks with headache, fever, and malaise, and can be diagnosed with an India ink stain of the cerebral spinal fluid. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 47-year-old woman presents with fever, headache, and malaise for two weeks duration. Initially, she could control her headaches with acetaminophen, but now her head is quote-unquote pounding, and she can hardly focus. The patient has a history of HIV, and her last CD4 positive count was 84. She takes her antiviral medications inconsistently. A CT of the head reveals multiple variably enhancing lesions. A lumbar puncture with mucicarmine staining reveals encapsulated organisms with red inner capsules and narrow budding. Which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Albendazole Choice 2. Amphotericin B and Flucytosine Choice 3. Caspofungin Choice 4. Dapsone and Pyrimethamine Or Choice 5. Fluconazole The best answer to this question is Choice 2. Amphotericin B and Flucytosine the patient has HIV with a CD4 count less than 100 and is presenting with fever, headache, multiple enhancing lesions on brain imaging, and organisms that stain with mucicarmine with a red inner capsule. This is suspicious for cryptococcus meningitis, which should be treated initially with amphotericin B and flucytosine. Cryptococcus neoformans is an encapsulated yeast with narrow budding that can be inhaled and disseminated hematogenously to the brain. Risk factors include hematologic malignancy, HIV or AIDS, especially in patients with a CD4 count less than 100, and transplant patients. Patients present with fever, headache, malaise, and altered mental status. Brain imaging can show hydrocephalus, a quote-unquote soap bubble lesion, 
or variably enhancing lesions. Diagnosis can be confirmed with a lumbar puncture. India ink stain shows yeast with clear halos, while Mucy carmine shows yeast with red inner capsules. Initial treatment of cryptococcal meningitis is amphotericin B with flutidazine and lifelong prophylaxis with fluconazole is needed after treatment of the episode or until the CD4 count is greater than 100. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Albendazole is the treatment of choice for neurocystosarcosis, which is caused by tinea solium. It presents in patients who have immigrated from or visited Mexico with headaches, seizures, and focal calcifications on head imaging. Choice 3. Caspofungin is a systemic antifungal medication. It is not first line for cryptococcus meningitis. It can be used to treat aspergillus, which can rarely disseminate to the brain. Aspergillus would present as hyphae, not narrow budding. Aspergillus can cause a fungal ball in the lung, which would present with dyspnea, shortness of breath, and a large fungal mass on imaging. Choice 4. Dapsone and pyrimethamine can be used as prophylaxis for pneumocystis gyrovechi pneumonia when CD4 counts are less than 200. PJP would present with a fever, dry cough, and bat wing opacity on chest radiograph with possible hypoxia. While it is an option for this patient for prophylaxis, this antimicrobial regimen would not treat the patient's acute cryptococcal infection. Choice 5. Fluconazole should be used as maintenance therapy for cryptococcal meningitis. Fluconazole is continued for at least 12 months and then for life or until the patient's CD4 count is greater than 100. This will not treat the patient's acute infection. Finally, a bullet summary. The initial treatment for cryptococcal meningitis is amphotericin B with flucytosine followed by lifelong fluconazole for prophylaxis. That's all for this review about cryptococcus neoformans. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.